Retail Revolution is a special limited podcast created specifically for retailing and service design, a unique course that is part of the Fashion Management Graduate Program at Parsons School of Design in New York City. Each episode features in-depth conversations with guest experts in omni-channel retailing with myriad perspectives, technology, consumer engagement, data analytics, merchandising, and more. We pay special attention to the short and long-term challenges and implications of COVID-19 and potential opportunities to rethink retail's future. Retail Revolution is produced by Joshua Williams and hosted by Christopher Lacey. Both are assistant professors in the School of Fashion at Parsons. Welcome, revolutionaries, to another episode of Retail Revolution, where we discuss all things related to retailing and service design. Today, we are discussing how VR and AR technologies are changing the customer's experience. And joining us today is a serial entrepreneur with more than 20 years of innovations in user experience technologies, including several patents in the areas of personalized media delivery and user interfaces. Very excited to welcome Noam Lavavi, CEO and founder of Beyond XR. Welcome, Noam. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me in this uh, crazy time. <laughs> it, it, it most certainly is a crazy time, right? So, you know, I, I know you're talking to us from Israel right now. How is everything there? Yeah, so we're here in uh, actually in quarantine, most of the population here. Um, I actually come, got back from New York three weeks ago, and since then I'm kind of like stuck at home. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it, I think it, in the last couple of days, it's, it seems like it's getting a little bit better and stabilized, but uh, yeah, it's hard to tell. It's, uh, it's been crazy everywhere. Um, and yeah, we see what's happening in New York and uh, wow. Um, we just hope that, you know, this is going to all uh, go, <laughs> go quickly back to, to normal, to the normal reality that we, we used to, but we're gonna probably gonna talk a lot about this today. Yes, yes, we yeah. most certainly are. But before we get there, I would love for you to tell our listeners about you and, and your career trajectory. You twenty years um, in technologies and experiences. So tell us what your story is. All right. So I'm um, kind of like you know started as an entrepreneur when I was uh, young, like um, 20, 20 years old. Basically, you know, getting into technology in the early days, uh, you know, playing with uh, old computers uh, and basically getting into this uh, uh, tech world uh, very early 30 years ago. Uh, and since then, I've been mainly dealing with digital media, uh, working with many brands and retailers, helping them creating new type of customer experiences. So um, I used to live in New York on my previous venture where we help brands creating immersive experiences in their in-store and a physical location, a brick and mortar. So we've been doing uh, projects like uh, if you've ever been in one of the Microsoft stores, uh, you see that, you know, hundreds of synchronized screens together, uh, the AT&T store, the largest LED action in Times Square runs by a technology that I've developed. So I've been doing it for many years, uh, many iconic venues. Uh, uh, we've uh, basically implemented uh, solutions for uh, audio-visual uh, presentations in many venues uh, got access to more than 100 million uh, people every month that been exposed to our systems and I've been doing it for many years and uh, that actually led me to uh, uh, to the new space AR VR I've been dealing with augmented reality 10 years ago already 
but this was very, very early. And a uh, few years ago, when we saw you know, the new merging of uh, virtual reality, uh, I started this uh, new company beyond to take it to a whole new level. You know, taking the two, the regular 2D uh, feeds that we uh, that we used to to have in the past couple of decades, and creating new type of experiences that take you, uh, the consumer, basically to a whole new three-dimensional space that uh, uh, can be connected in a in a new way, both with their you know with the sellers and the buyers and the different products that that you want to be exposed in different environments. So we've been kind of like working on this a platform to enable brands creating new type of customer experiences. And I'll share a little bit more about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to tell you when I first started engaging with beyond and, and, you know, before all of this happened with the COVID-19 pandemic, our plan was to partner together for beyond to help us with um, a really cool pop-up uh, presentation that we were going to do in conjunction with this class. And and when we saw what it was that Beyond could do, you know, for me being in retail for over 20 years, I, I, I just knew this was something I wanted to partner with and, and to bring you guys on board. So I want to ask, you know, what is Beyond really? How would we you describe Beyond to our listeners? Sure. So uh, Beyond, Beyond XR, it's... Uh, it's basically a retail tech startup. Uh, we we empower brands and to improve sales and customer engagement. So we bring a new groundbreaking 3D visualization technology, uh, and using beyond the platform, commerce platform, brands can easily transform into this new era of digital. So creating experiences to enhance wholesale merchandising and e-commerce that really boost sales and improve efficiency and customer engagement. So it's all about how to create new type of experiences uh, that bring customers to, to the three-dimensional spaces and let them experience products and collections in a whole new way. And I, you know, I think that's the thing that you, you're saying there that, that I want to hold on to is that it's important for customers to experience in a whole new way because I think the, the issue we see with technologies, especially in, in retail, is that the technologies sometimes are quite passive. And this technology is not passive at all. It, it is extremely interactive um, and fun for the user. So how does Beyond make digital commerce more human um, compared to what we've, we've really seen over the last five to 10 years? And why is that so important, making that more human? Yeah. So, you know, before the e-commerce was available, you know, for many, many years, the only option to purchase good was offline. So in the real store environment, uh, there are lots of benefits for purchasing in real stores, you know, from the overall experience that they bring you, you know, the design, the music, the smell that you have in the store and other properties uh, to the personal communication with associates, with the store uh, um, field or store managers. Uh, and of course, the ability to look and, and feel the actual product, specifically in the apparel industry, you know, it's so important sometimes that you want to feel or, or try on you know, a specific uh, um, item. E-commerce actually brought a new dimension where we can buy online without leaving our home, but a big part of the experience is, is missing. Uh, we can't actually feel the product. We only see a, kind of a two-dimensional feed with images that don't tell us the full story. 
And unfortunately, the technology continued to advance really rapidly, you know, the past two decades, but the experience has not been changed. Um, if you think about, you know, even uh, the, the biggest players like Amazon, if you look at Amazon today and, you know, and 10 years ago, obviously a lot has changed, but the experience itself, almost the same. And then mm-hmm. when you look at different retailers, nothing has changed in the 10, last 10, 15 uh, years. It's all, they're all using this two-dimensional feed with images. Uh, it's not a real experience. Uh, and we basically uh, think about how to bring the experiences and how to merge the offline and the online world. So at Beyond, we think about buying experience when we think about how to merge those type of things. Uh, the real store experience with the benefits of the online purchasing, taking the customers to uh, to a journey and fuse the real world with the virtual world and keep it all intuitive uh, and easy to consume, both for the buyers and the retailers, but also for you know consumers at home. So when you think about the type of experience that you're getting in store, we don't get it today from our you know desktops or mobile devices. So we kind of trying to bridge this gap and bring a better experience online and give you some of the benefits that you have in store, but without leaving your home. Uh, and the technology, we you know, continue to evolve uh, uh, to that end. When you talk about the, the way you're bringing this in, I want to make sure we, we explain to everyone the differentiation for, for those who kind of are like, all right, so virtual reality or what what is it that they they really mean by that? I think a lot of times we talk about virtual reality. We we think of the headset, you know. Um, but new technologies that have come out that are being used, such as Clo3D, um, from a design perspective, um, creates the the other side of it. And so I'd like for you to explain what what is the difference between VR uh, and AR in the retail space? Sure. Yeah, indeed, it, 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 uh, the terms might be confusing. So we have AR, VR, MR, XR, you know, uh, different companies using different terms. And, you know, you, you hear in Microsoft, they, they, they talk about hologram and, and different type of terms. So, but just to, to uh, make it clear, you know, for how do we use it in the retail space. In general, VR, virtual reality, allows us to change our surrounding reality. So using 360 visuals and audio, we can bring a customer to, to a store or to a showroom environment. Uh, when you use a, just a regular two-dimensional screen, like we use our, in our desktop and mobile devices, VR lets you show the virtual surrounding in a, in a 360 form, which is better than the 2D fit. But again, it's not a fully immersive as you, uh, as you go with a goggle, you know, different type of headsets when you're actually immersed in the experience. Um, so VR actually replaced the existing reality with a new one. AR let you add or augment additional layers on top of the real reality we experience. So it let us uh, add digital assets and information virtually that usually do not exist in the real space. Uh, but it still gives us the feeling like it's actually there. So uh, when we think about brick and mortar and like real stores, uh, we'll see more and more use cases for AR, I think, in the near future, specifically around products, promotion, assistance in the, in the store. So uh, today, it's, uh, it's still not very intuitive, and it requires users to actively be involved, to launch an experience, and to interact with it. But in the near future, we'll have glasses uh, that will automatically detect the surrounding using, you know, 
advanced computer vision algorithm and adding those digital layer on top of that. So it would be much more intuitive and easy to consume. Um, so in the physical space, I don't see a lot of like uh, use case for VR. There are some like for car showrooms or and different uh, uh, areas that we'll see some VR, but specifically for fashion or, or you know, in the apparel industry, I think it will be mainly AR. Uh, today, there are like two separate uh, domains, AR and VR, but in the near future, all be combined together, fused together. So you will have a, uh, a set of headset that you can, you know, see the reality, bring additional uh, hologram or additional layers on top of it and maybe change some of it. So it's all going to fuse together and be basically taking us to a whole new type of reality. Uh, today, uh, it, it looks uh, that uh, it's very uh, uh, messy or bright, but you know, in the near future, we're going to add a lot of information on top of it. And when we go to we do shopping, you know, as consumers, uh, we'll get instantly all the relevant information and comparison, and we'll see you know what our uh, what our friends are thinking about different products, and it all come to live around the product without any special efforts that we need to to invest in that. So uh, you know that that brings up a a good point or a thought for me, which is so from a con- customer experience perspective, and and if they're walking into an actual store. How does how does a retailer make this technology easy for the customer, right? Because they don't necessarily maybe want to put down their phone to start playing with another device to experience AR. So is it really something that works well in store at the time? Or is it something that should be leveraged on top of a retailer's e-commerce platform so that someone is getting that kind of feeling of still being in an actual brick and mortar location, even at home, or is it, does it matter? Yeah. So I think we were in a kind of a, like a transition period. So both Apple and Google, uh, you know, they push um, all these technologies specifically the past couple of years and they support it through their browser with the AR kit and AR code that basically let you, um, launch an AR experience very easily, you know, through a browser. So basically you can use your phone. You don't need to switch device. You just take your phone. Uh, you can look at uh, through the camera on an object. Uh, the object can be recognized by, by itself or just with a QR code on uh, other uh, unique code. And then we can launch an AR experience. So today it's pretty intuitive. Um, the only thing you need to do is open your camera uh, and the experience can be launched. So at home, it's a little bit different. So in, in store, when you, when you walk in store and you want to get additional information or, or you see a, a, you know, a nice shirt and you want to see the actual model like uh, walking around you and see it like in, in real life. So you can utilize those technology uh, through the browser, just you know, taking your phone, open it and, and see additional um, information or additional uh, um, um, imagery or, or real life models to see around you. Uh, you can also bring it to, to your home. Uh, so I think we're in a transition. Uh, today, we, we can use you know, the devices that we currently have. So it's the mo- mainly the mobile phones. Uh, but we're going to see, not sure how, um, how they're going to push this you know, with the, the outbreak right now, but 
uh, there are a lot of people talk about that even this year, maybe it will be next year now, uh, we're going to see the first like new glasses coming from Apple and other big companies. This is going to change the way that we're going to perceive you know, reality. But it's going to take time. So for now, in the next couple of years, we're going to use our smartphones and mobile phones, even if we will see the first version of the, the, the smart glasses coming into, uh, into the market. It will take a few years until, you know, usually it starts from early adopters and, you know, uh, and only in the second, the third version of the glasses, we're going to start to see uh, more adoption. And, and I think for within five, six years, uh, we'll see mass adoption of these new technologies that are going to come very, very soon. And this is going to change the way that we, uh, we, we consume. We're going to uh, both on the in-store environment, but also at home, how we can bring all the the, the different items and products to actually look, uh, bring them to our house. And, uh, and also when you talk about fashion, uh, fit is, you know, is one of the most important things are how it fits, you know, on, on myself. And I want to see myself, you know, with the clothing without actually wearing them. So I can very quickly uh, switch or select different items and, and, and see how they look like on, on, on my body, you know, from all angles. So th- that's some of the things that are gonna change. And you mentioned Cloth3D, so there are few companies that actually helps designers today to design in 3D, like Claw, uh, Claw3D is one of the leading ones. We have Browser, Optitex, and, and other companies that today a lot of the um, brands are starting to adopt this new technology um, because, it, first of all, it helps them on the product development and the manufacturing side. You know, you, you utilize 3D, uh, you shorten the, 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 the time to market, you don't need samples uh, or as many samples as they used to do, but eventually you can utilize those assets also for merchandising, for selling, for consumer applications, you know, you can bring it to your own destination. So utilizing 3D, when you design in 3D, you can use those assets in many other ways. So the benefit is not just for product development, but how you use it in marketing and and, and, and your selling environment. So essentially, you know, this technology makes makes a retailer and a brand as a whole more efficient than we when, than we could have ever believed before because you know you mentioned when it comes to merchandising so you know with this particular technology and platform that beyond has a retailer can leverage this and honestly have a 3d model for this brand for each of their locations across the globe and the visual merchandising team can allow them to to access this 3D model and create the visual merchandising accordingly. Um, it also allows for a, a much uh, quicker look at how designers want to design their product and how it gets to stores quicker and what it would look like in that space. So it really kind of speeds up the the level of efficiency that that they have, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, using technology, brands can, can improve efficiency, the experience, the time to market. Uh, and in fashion, you know, most brands and wholesalers are, are using physical showrooms today. So to display their products, collection, assortments. So usually buyers are coming into those showrooms to, uh, to see, you know, all the new collections and, and the new products. Well, sometimes the salesperson has to go to the buyer. Um, so the process can be very long and expensive. 
some brands, uh, you know, they're so efficient and they can do this uh, work very quickly. So if you take Zara, for example, they can bring, uh, you know, from design to a finished product in the store within a couple of weeks. You know, but other luxury brands, sometimes they need six or even nine, 12 months from design to be really have the ready finished product available for the uh, customers. So creating samples uh, is, uh, is also is not sustainable and it brings a lot of waste and lots of pollution. So going digital has many other benefits, not just, you know, shorten the time, but it's, it's more sustainable. With digital assets, you can also share your design instantly. So on the same day, all the buyer can see the new designs. No uh, large quantity of samples are needed. Uh, you can uh, um, finish design, approve it, and share it instantly with you know, hundreds of buyers. You can easily apply colors and textures in real time without the need to wait days or weeks you know, for new samples uh, creation. So when you design in 3D, you can bring to life the outfits onto your on top of like models and mannequins and avatars to show how like different styles can fit and look on different bodies. So the bottom line is that the technology really helps brands to be more efficient, shorten the time to market and help them to get the right insights uh, to keep improving and optimize the, the designs and sales. So when we talk about insights, what type of you know key performance indicators does Beyond provide to those brands so they can measure the, the success of, of this? I think a lot of times retailers are, you know, it's funny when someone invests in something, they want to see how quickly the return is on it. You know what I mean? It's it's like, I, I we invested in this technology. How do we know how fast, you know, it's improving our system? So is Beyond able to provide certain analytics and data for them in that way? Yeah, and that's uh, that's a great question, and it, it really depends, you know, on the on the on the use case and how do you want to measure. So there are many KPIs you can measure. Typically, on a, on a, on the sales side, brands are looking to improve engagement with with an aim to increase conversion and basket size. So you want to sell more. At Beyond, we have built a unique uh, analytic engine that basically let the brands track everything, like so they can see what the buyer interactions are, you know, how they behave. Everything is trackable. Uh, we can learn about interest, interactions, you know, what people like or don't like, how much time they spend and look at, you know, different collections and style, how many are, and, and other metrics that we can combine into this. So you can track online, but it's very difficult to, or almost impossible to do it offline. You know, when you're utilizing uh, online digital tools, you can be very accurate and actually start to measure the KPIs uh, you know, utilizing Google Analytics or other type of analytics or, you know, like the engines that we build, you can start to track and actually bring those KPI to a real measurement. So you can see, you know, the differences before you, you know, utilize the technology and after. In other departments like operations or IT, they sometimes look, you know, different KPIs. So they want to make, be more efficient, you know, to save costs. Uh, so KPIs are really related to the use case and to the persona that's on the other side that actually needs to adopt this type of technology. At Beyond, we have a, an analytic layer and we basically aggregate all this data and eventually can bring insights to, to the brands so they can see how the consumers or the buyers actually using those systems what uh, uh, what I actually eventually looked at, what I've uh, added to their ordering list. We keep it all as an archive from season to season, from collection to the collection. So you're getting more insights and it helps you also not just to 
uh, understand, you know, and how to measure the KPIs, but how to optimize it for the future from buyer to buyer, from collection to collection to see what works and what doesn't work and how and let you basically optimize the way that you display your catalog and collection. That's brilliant. And I, you know, considering we right now are in unprecedented global crisis that it has impacted a retailer's supply chain, it's impacted the ability for designers to even design and get products produced, to it being shipped, to brick and mortar stores are closed, but their online platforms are, you know, are still trucking along. You know, when when we look at this and we go, okay, well, this technology is out there and it might have been a slow adoption period, like how quickly retailers decided to get on board with this. Do you think this crisis will speed up their desire to have platforms that work in this way? Yes, definitely. So I think we are entering into into a new era. You know, lots of things will be changed in the near future. People realize the power of digital and, and the way we can communicate and make business from remote. You know, up until, you know, a few weeks ago, we were all like did business in, in a different way. And, and today are all looking for virtual solution, how I can continue to make, you know, business, uh, meet my, you know, customers uh, and do it virtually. So if you think a bit, until last month, I don't have the, the details for like from, you know, for March, but until last month, about 12% of the total purchasing in, in the U.S. was done online. Only 12%. Right. Um, now, it's different in, I mean, grocery, it's much lower. Fashion, it's actually higher, about twice than this number, like 20 to 25% online. But the majority of the sales was still offline. I think in the next few months, the online will increase dramatically. And for the near period, it will be actually bigger than offline because people are, you know, can't go out and, and do their regular shopping. We've seen this in Asia. You know, we have uh, customers in Asia where they uh, basically close their stores at, at the beginning of the year. And, um, and in some capacity, they open it, but many of the stores are actually closed and they, they probably they weren't going to open them again anytime soon. So I, I believe that uh, things won't go back you know, to the regular way that we used to do business. Uh, online purchasing will increase in a much faster pace going forward. People that ha- that never bought online and now they had to because they have to, you know, because that, that's, the, that's the situation, will continue to buy also in the future. They'll see the benefits of this. And brands will have to adopt quickly. You know, so stores will, will, will be different, will change to, to kind of, a, I think that new models will emerge. I think that person that personal touch will be very important. Maybe new services uh, will emerge. Um, uh, for example, you know, think about it. Maybe you could select online things like online clothing where you're interested in. Go to the store, and it will all wait for you there just to try on and see, you know, what's you know, like to change the type of experience that we we're having today in the store. So the store will be more like a showroom, you know, to. I think it will be more uh, uh, on a personal level how to assist the, uh, the, the customers and give them the benefits that they cannot get online. Uh, but we're going to see, uh, I think, a much faster adoption for online purchasing. And also the brands and the retailers will go online in new ways and they have to adopt to this new world. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think it's going to force an industry to think in terms of what does service look like now? And and here's here's the challenge with that. It's 
what does service look like now, considering a consumer that is far more fearful than it has ever been before? And, and having to acknowledge that and go, okay, even after this is said and done, everyone's coming out of their homes again to engage with each other. What does that look like? Is there still the fear of, you know, we, we just went through a thing where it was like, the only way you should greet somebody is by touching their elbow. But then from there, it went from, you know, staying six feet apart from someone, then it was don't leave your home at all. So when we all come out of this, how do we want to engage with each other? But how do we how do we even navigate a retail space now? You know, um, and that's something that, you know, I, 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 I toy with them. Like, you know, I think there'll be this, this big push where people will want to be in brick and mortar locations again. Um, but it's also, what does that look like as they engage, you know, do retailers have the ability to, to, take on what, what the new expectation is right now. And I just don't know that we have, have the answer to that yet. Um, when retailers are considering these technologies and these platforms, what, what do they need to really have as their core and their basis when they're wanting to onboard a new technology? You know, it, it can't really be, you know, everything is based on a strategy, but it can be a, a, oh my gosh, we should do this right now. And then we do this mad dash to do it. What do they need to consider so that it's a successful um, adoption of a new technology and that it's executed appropriately? Mm. Um, you know, retail, they need to be open to, to change the way they currently work. And I think that the current situation forced them to, to do that. Um, to, to think out of the box. They need to make the right research, you know, before they adopt technology. And there are many good and some bad, you know, tech companies, and right. each might bring its unique value proposition. So first you, you need to identify, you know, the needs and the challenges that you have, and then start looking for the right tech that can be integrated, you know, with your existing system. No one actually really want to start replacing legacy systems with new ones but sometimes it's, it's necessary. So I think, you know, when you think about onboarding new technology, when, when looking for, you know, for new technology, you want to make sure it's an easy onboarding process, specifically at this day, that don't take too much effort and time. Um, and it's better if you can actually manage the tech internally and not be dependent on external studios, agency, or other third party, if possible. Oh my so, God. Wait, I just, I'm going to cut you up because I think, that's something that I, I, I want you to go into just a little bit because a lot of times you have a retail brand that they get something and then they're reliant on a third party. And I want you to talk about just really quick why that is kind, it's not really the best way to go. Like why should they really focus on being able to manage it internally? Yeah. So some services, you know, sometimes it's good to rely on third parties. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's like, you know, you better have, uh, you know, cloud services than manage, you know, an IT group to manage your own service at the office uh, and get it from third parties. But the core business, I mean, for uh, think about the designers or, you know, fashion industry in general, I think that the core business has to stay in-house. So the designs, uh, the whole process, you know, for the manufacturing, the way that they think about it, the way they present it and sell it. And you don't want to be relying on like, you know, different agencies or, or other like uh, people to 
wait for them to do something. So you ask them, you know, a studio to make a change for you and waiting, you know, um, a, a cycle of, of, of a day or a few days um, instead of like doing it in, in, in a minute in-house. So the tools uh, and the technology that you bring in-house should allow you to, to do this internally, but in an easy way. We don't want to also to start training people on complicated systems. And today there are so many different solutions, uh, um, SaaS solution that help you do that easily. Um, so you, you have to look for a robust tech that uh, do not require any special like uh, expertise. So you can learn quickly and realize the real value in a short period of time. Um, and, and also learn from your, you know, your colleague, your competitors, uh, see what uh, they're doing, how they adopt new technology, because it's, it's a race. Um, we, we, we can't, uh, you know, if we stay at the same position, we're actually go, going backwards. So we have to look, you know, into the near future, see what, what are our goals and what do we actually need to, to change or adopt and look quickly for the right technology. There are a lot of different technologies. So when we talk about like 3D, Software and modeling, beside the the you know the regular platform from Adobe and Autodesk and others, so like there are special companies that now tailor for designers, like we mentioned, Clove, Bowser, Optitex, and look for those type of solution that can help you, you know, do this transition uh, and and do it quickly. Uh, going into 3D, it's not a, a quick transition. Uh, you do need some expertise. Uh, but once you do it and, uh, and you got into this, you, you can go back. You, you realize, you know, the benefits and the things that it actually led you that you couldn't do before. Uh, so when you adopt and you think about onboarding, I would suggest, you know, look for the right type of technology that you can at least do it, uh, adopt quickly or do it in stages. So we can value quickly, you know, the, the, the matrices, the KPIs that you're looking for before you scale this. Uh, but but you also have to look for uh, for the tech that can easily be scaled. So when you want to reach you know more, um, a bigger audience or have more people or more designers access this, you want to make sure that the technology will allow you to grow quickly and scale the business quickly, even if you start small. So this would be you know a great platform if you are a new and up and coming designer. Um, this would be an ideal platform to kind of build out your own showroom if you don't really have the, the funds for a, a true, you know, brick and mortar showroom um, to really show what your merchandise looks like. This is a great option because now you can have this digital footprint that's global and people can experience your brand in this way. So it, it, would you say it's a worthwhile investment if you were an up and coming designer? Cause we've talked about bigger brands, but what about those that are kind of starting into the industry? I think that's, uh, I mean, going 3D, uh, it's definitely the, the way to go. Um, and it's, it's gonna grow dramatically. So today we use 3D for like the physical items that we, we consume or, or you know, the, the garments or the different accessories. Um, in the near future, we're going to start using the digital assets on our the digital the virtual worlds that we see. Uh, I, um, uh, I think that uh, and maybe it's a, it's a bold statement, but within, I don't know, 15, 20 years, people will buy more virtual goods than real goods, like physical. So uh, there will be 
so many designers that will design new clothing for your avatar or for your you know virtual environment that you're going to be so it's going to go both way both for the physical uh, um, way that the way that we currently walk and a new world for virtual you know goods and, and implementation will be open so going 3d i think it uh, um, that's the right thing we will go 3d as ar and vr getting more momentum we'll need those 3d uh, um, assets and, and designers uh, and that's a really good bet i think you know going to learn how to uh, or be an expert in 3d uh, there are a lot of different platforms so it's also you know you need to understand uh, or to decide what what are the uh, platform or which area you want to really uh, be expert in and go. Uh, but going 3D, I think it's a safe bet because we'll see more and more companies adopting 3D uh, for now in the physical world and in the near future in the virtual world. I think you made a, a really great point there where, you know, you said we're, we'll start buying almost more clothes that are in in this 3D design for our avatars. And it's funny you say that because I, I just read the most interesting article of, you know, random things. Everyone's going to be like, what Chris reads random things. And I do, it, it's this couple, um, they met on the, it's a program that launched, I guess, back in 2008 or, uh, or so, but called second life. And you go into this world and it's just a VR world and you create, your other life. Um, and here's what's interesting. These two people meet in this second life world um, and find out that they are amazingly connected. He lives in Ohio. She lives in the UK. She goes to her husband in the UK, says, I'm not in love with you. I want a divorce. They, the, the person, the guy she meets from Ohio, they get married virtually in this second life world. And then they finally meet like months later, realize that they actually do get along. And then they got married in real life. Um, and in this, 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 this thing, second life, they even did a whole like virtual pregnancy. Like it was wild. I, so why I'm bringing this up is because we clearly are in a state where if, if we're creating lives like that, then it's pretty fast coming that we're going to be buying clothes for our avatars. Right. Definitely. It's not only for our avatars, it's for ourselves. So the way that I think that the uh, world's going to evolve, you know, I look at on my kids, you know, they can spend time in a game, you know, and then and, and earn some virtual coins and, you know, spend so much time, I don't know, to buy a new sword or a new virtual sword, you know. Uh, and and, and they, they actually, they're looking for, like, those virtual goods more than the, 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 the physical goods. Um, but in the future, when we think about AR and the way that uh, it's going to develop, and when we will walk with glasses, you know, in the streets, so suddenly people will look at uh, one in uh, one at each other uh, in a way that you can define, you know, what clothing you're actually wearing for other people to see you with, um, and maybe you know you can segment it, you know, when. You know, um, a little girl look at me or, or an older guy, you know, maybe my clothing will be changed uh, accordingly. So the virtual um, uh, augmentation, you know, opens a whole new way of us to wearing multiple clothing in, in parallel, you know, in different locations, virtually and not virtually. Uh, and, uh, and I think eventually we'll see more and more people are buying this virtual clothing 
because you can get very very uh, quick access to this. It's a, you get a best fit, you know. Uh, you can design in uh, or maybe add your own flavor and design, and then you can change it instantly. Um, so uh, th that's what I'm gonna I think gonna happen not just in the virtual games and world, but eventually it will go out to the street, you know, to the, our physical reality with augment augmentation of different objects and clothing on top of us. Really cool. So Noam, this has been an awesome conversation uh, to have with you today. I've, I've enjoyed it so much. I, I think our listeners will have enjoyed it so much because it really has forced us to think about how technologies are really going to start changing our industry and, and much faster than we anticipated due to this, this current uh, pandemic that we're all experiencing. So how do our listeners hear about what's happening at Beyond in the future? Sure. So uh, we have, um, you know, on our website, we have a mailing list so anyone can join and we're receiving uh, updates uh, from time to time. So we're happy to have anyone that want to, uh, you know, to see what we're doing and how we progress. Uh, we also have all the social channels, you know, from Instagram, to Twitter, Facebook. Uh, so you can join one of the, uh, those uh, channels. Uh, we also post on YouTube, um, uh, you know, from time to time some videos. Um, and feel free, you know, to approach us, ask any question or raise any topic you might have. We'd be happy to share, you know, more insights and information. Uh, and anyone can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, Noam Levavi, and uh, happy to, uh, you know, to keep in touch with anyone. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Noam, for your time today. This was great. Um, and we hope to have you back again for Retail Revolution. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Be well. Take <laughs> care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Retail Revolution. A very special thank you to everyone who has helped make this podcast possible. Our guests, our students, and fellow faculty at Parsons School of Design, especially in such an extraordinary and unprecedented time. Our theme music was composed by Spencer Powell. Be well and stay tuned for our next episode.